Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information from around the Washington National Guard and the Washington Military Department. I'm Jason Kreiss. On today's show, we continue our conversation with the crew from Rainier Dustoff, who recently helped rescue an injured hiker. If you haven't already listened to that episode last week, I highly recommend you check it out. When we recorded it, our conversation went a little long, so I decided to split it up into two episodes. Last week, we talked about the rescue mission itself, and on this episode, we go into the aviation career field in general, how they got started, what they love about their jobs, and where they see their careers going. It's obvious that these guys are huge advocates for their unit and the aviation career field. They had nothing but good things to say. Our conversation got a little lively at times, and it was a real fun chat with this crew. If you are even remotely interested in the aviation career field, I think you will enjoy this conversation. About medics, but <laughs> we're our own thing. <laughs> and I want to kind of back myself up from what Mr. Kenny was saying earlier about, you know, they go out on a mission and a hoist has a failure. Well, as a maintainer, I think that was kind of the stepping stone when they came back where uh, we're not the kind of unit that will just, you know, throw it off the side and be like, oh, well, we got a hoist that's bad. Let's just not take that aircraft. No, we're we're doing a lot of diagnostic and making sure that it's ready to go again. And, in fact, we had the uh, manufacturer of our hoist come out and teach us a class on mm. more in-depth maintenance on them. And so our, all our crew chiefs have attended it. Yeah, that's like the, like the unsung heroes. As the, yeah, the, and, you know, well, aviation. not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but, I mean, it was uh, – I feel really great about this organization when it comes to if they see a problem, we do our best to fix it, but not only fix it, make sure that it's maintained and um, – we don't have that problem happen again or if it does we know more in depth of what it could be and, mm-hmm. and be able to fix it faster and um i think that's helped out i mean when we were in kosovo we had three aircraft total that we were in charge of but all our crew chiefs it was day to day we're doing maintenance and i think our or rating at the end of it was 93 percent, which is super high for a deployed unit and you know with only six of us crew chiefs taking care of three aircraft i mean that was a pretty big accomplishment and not only did our organization recognize that but like the other six states that we were deployed with were like wow we have one of the smallest dust off units attached to us but yet they you know kick butt and they made sure the aircraft was good to go and Mm -hmm. never had any problems from them you know stuff like that so again once we got done with that it was another kind of accomplished feeling it was like wow that is that is one of the great things about our unit i Going to, as flight paramedics, we go to a lot of schools and go reach out and we, you know, liaise with other units. When we talk to other units, a lot of units have issues that our unit overcomes. And we, we sling a lot of shade at each other, you know, how to, but really when it comes down to it, our pilots are amazing. They're, they're willing to listen. They understand. They understand our side. They understand the crew chiefs and what they need. Our crew chiefs are super in-depth in their maintenance and keeping our aircraft. Um, we've gotten accolades for how safe our unit is. Um, and then we cross train a lot too. our, our crew chiefs down at Fort hood at Premobe, the flight paramedics down there thought that our crew chiefs were flight medics because of how good they want to do their job and help us do our jobs. And then we also in turn go and learn what we can about maintenance when they have time, you know, obviously usually they're super fast paced trying to get things back up and running. But when they have a time to teach us, 
like we cross train and we understand what everybody's got going on and that's definitely one thing that sets our unit apart from a lot of other units that I've talked to mm -hmm. is how tight knit our unit is and how we all cross train and understand and appreciate each other and what we do. So let's expand on that a little bit. If you don't, you guys don't Absolutely. mind staying around for a little bit. <laughs> like, like, uh, so you could have been anything like, what is it about aviation that drew you to it? Was well, a flight medic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a normal 68 whiskey in the army is pretty much the lowest level of care that the army provides. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's CLS, like when people have secondary jobs and stuff, but as a primary mission of 68 whiskey is, you know, they don't have a very big scope. Right. Um, and I was in the reserves initially in a unit that backfilled Madigan and we didn't get utilized a lot. So where can a 68 whiskey go and do fun stuff and actually, you know, go and do more of a mission. And really when you look at it, your options are you can go group, right? That's cool. You can go aviation. That's about it in the guard, right? Mm -hmm. If you go full active duty, you know, you can get in Rangers and all that other stuff right. and, or you can go soar, which is also aviation though. Um, so for me, just, I wanted to do more with being a 68 whiskey on the civilian side, you know, being, okay. I'm part of a SWAT team. I'm part of a fire department. I'm, you know, been a paramedic for a while. So how do I take that and take it to the next level? And for medics, aviation is kind of the, one of the tips of the spear when it comes to providing medical care. So mm -hmm. that's how I ended up over here. They yeah. also have larger egos than Apache pilots. We do, but we've earned <laughs> them. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And I think as a 15 Tango being a uh, UH-60 Blackhawk, repairman uh i did my first seven years just in the delta company so just as a basic maintainer uh traditional m-day guy and then i got on the facility full-time as a mechanic uh and that kind of spiked my interest more of doing uh i was so fixed on doing uh phase maintenance which is complete tear down inspection rebuild of the aircraft uh, and that got me more knowledgeable with the aircraft and then you know, from there, I thought I could probably take this somewhere else. So then I started looking at going flight. Hmm. And then of course, we have a, an assault company and a minivac company. Well, for that instance, I got picked up with the assault company first. But then when I found out there was a slot in the in the uh, medevac company, I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. So I was able to get over with the medevac. And then from there, it, you know, expanded my horizon more of in-depth maintenance with the aircraft and not only that then doing um uh flight you know stuff being being just not only a maintainer but then a mm -hmm. backseater and then learning more yeah i mean it takes a year or so to get fully trained up as a backseater and uh with all that comes evaluations and stuff like that yearly um evals and mm -hmm. so it's not like you become a backseater and you're one and done you're just a backseater you can do it it's every year you're doing every single eval you can think and re-upping on your knowledge of the aircraft. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little stressful being, cause now I, I left the facility and now ironically, I'm a, I'm a crane operator. So I do a lot of hoisting in my civilian job now too. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's, I'll be working a full week. I'll work, you know, 14, 15 hour days. And then it's like, I get a call, Hey, you're, you're coming due. You need to come in and fly. It's like, okay, I got to make time now mm -hmm. coming to fly. But every time I do it, I just kind of get like, 
a sense of relief. It's like I'm going from working a construction job and now I get to go in and fly. And it's like something I have over all my peers in the civilian world. And then, mm-hmm. you know, every time I, I post something, they're always talking about it the next day on the job site. They're like, oh, my God, what did you do? It's like, yeah, you know, flew over. And in fact, for one instance, we were flying around and you could see the tip of a boom of one of the cranes I was working on. So I texted the operator. I was like, hey, I see you. He goes, oh, that's so cool. That's you, know? you up there. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. And then, um, so of course, being just a maintainer with Blackhawks, I think I'm at kind of like what, you know, Sergeant Beard was saying, it's kind of like the tip of what you could do with mm-hmm. your MOS, uh, being able to be a backseater yeah. and go fly. Yeah. Like you spend so much time like working on the craft itself and, and, and um, you know, fixing it, repairing it, maintaining it. And then you just like. Yeah, they, they well, get, and then now the other, you're, you're going people. into trusting your work and actually going on the aircraft that you work on and <laughs> yeah, flying. Exactly. It. And yeah, that's the difference. It takes your job to a to whole another, another level. Yeah. And yeah but it, it makes you appreciate more about what you like, do. Like, uh, what do they call them? Parachute riggers. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, and then it's like, hey, you pack this, you're coming with us. Exactly, and by the way, yeah. you're going to wear something that you pack too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What got you guys into the aviation world? Like, what's, ahead, what is it about flying that you... Um, well, I mean, it's a well-known fact that helicopters make everything cooler. So, um, <laughs> you know, I've been interested in flying. I mean, I think I probably took the most securitous route to get to where I'm at today. Uh, but I've been flying for 14 years. Um, you know, I started off as a... Um, uh, a cadet going through ROTC, um, I was, uh, you know, you know, wanted to branch aviation because I was uh, interested in flying. I did 10 years active duty, um, you know, just always really, you know, was really interested in flying. And, uh, you know, when I left active duty and uh, came into the Guard, I knew I wanted to, you know, that was kind of the big thing that brought me back to the Guard is knowing that I wanted to continue flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, you know, I've always... Uh, you know, I've always loved it. I think it's been a great opportunity for me, and I, you know, feel just very fortunate that, um, you know, the Army, you know, trained me up on how to fly helicopters, and I keep to continue doing it till today. Marty started off flying the wrong airframe, though. The wrong one. That is true. <laughs> I'm a, a, a recovering uh, Chinook uh, pilot. Or when I came into the guard, um, you know, they said, um, you know, if you want to come in, our Chinook unit's full. You're going to have to fly Blackhawks and. Um, his heart you know. lit up well you know it's like you know <laughs> twist my arm make me you know learn how to fly a whole new aircraft so it's been it's been great um you know just super fortunate i've been medevac the entire time i've been in the guard um it's a great mission was set, that so. was that difficult transitioning from one aircraft to another uh yeah i had uh i mean i had my own unique struggles uh you know they all fly the same um you know but you have to learn all the limitations and emergency procedures mm-hmm. for each one and um you know some of the terminology between uh the airframes is just slightly different uh so i got you know made fun of till <laughs> that you know dark time of my life disappeared and now i'm you know fully a blackhawk pilot so well i mean I've, I've always been interested in aviation uh grew up interested in aviation i i fell into the army by accident spent three years <laughs> active duty uh, i had really no plans out of high school what i was going to do other than that uh i was going to buy a white van and throw my drum set into the back of it and and move to seattle and become a rock star <laughs> that's about as far as i got with that 
He's still enough. an amazing drummer, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, yeah, I dabble from time to time, but uh, uh, yeah, we won't even get into that story. But um, you're not a member of Fault Line. Uh, <laughs> In a way, kind of a former member. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Sandbox Taxi, but uh, <laughs> that's that's my former band. <laughs> and we have some significant they're, members that we don't They're want. big in Japan. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> some significant members that I don't want to discuss right now. Um, They've opened for Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Damn it. Just let me tell my story. <laughs> Anyway, I think somebody I, I think somebody in high school just pulled a joke and told the recruiter that I was interested in joining the army and so uh, I was in band class <laughs> no kidding there was a recruiter standing at the door, Hey, I'm here to see Ryan Kennedy and next thing you know I'm I'm active duty, I'm a Whoops I'm, I'm jumping out of airplanes, I'm a parachutist, I'm you know, and I'm supposed to be a a wheel vehicle mechanic but Never really did a lot of time doing that, and uh, just went to AIT for it. Um, I wanted to do all the the high speed things. I wanted to go through RIP and become a Ranger, and and uh, I just had the wrong MOS. And it was during the Clinton administration, so of course you can't. At the time, you, you can't just go and reclass and you know get a different MOS. But um, always wanted to become a warrant officer and, and become an aviator. My recruiter told me that my GT score was too low. In fact, I think his exact words were, nope, your GT score is too low. You're too dumb. Sorry, you can jump out of airplanes. And I'm like, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I left active duty. I uh, went to the National Guard in 2000 uh, over in the Spokane area with the 161 and deployed with them in 2004 to Iraq. Once I got back, I was like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to seriously pursue this so mm -hmm. uh, moved over here got a job uh, I'm basically moved over to the side of the state just so I could pursue this mm -hmm. and uh, got accepted into the program and, and been flying ever since and it's uh, <clears throat> it's been the best career move I've ever made um, and uh, I wouldn't have traded it for the world uh, really uh, the biggest thing that I enjoy about it is just a challenge it, every day is just a challenge and you learn something new uh, coming into the coming into um, work, so um, learn more from others than I do from myself. Um, I'm a bad self-study, but uh, you know, there's you just have you set small goals, and I've just really enjoyed being part of this organization and, and doing the things that I do, uh, mm -hmm. being an instructor pilot and and help training. And the best accomplishment that I, that I I really feel not just doing this mission, but when you come in and you're you're training someone and and you see them go out and do something like this doing a mission like this it's really rewarding like hey mm -hmm. you know i was part of that um question so um you're not going to be in uniform forever do you guys think that you guys have any prospects like outside of the guard and 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 pursuing aviation or medical anything else um with the skills that you've built up during your career here well, actually, uh, like I said, being ironic, I'm actually a, a crane operator out in the civilian world. So uh, that's kind of like my main focus right now. Um, <laughs> I kind of have a similar story to Mr. Kennedy over there. Uh, I didn't even know about the National Guard when I was in high school, thinking about joining the military. Uh, I wasn't the brightest in school. I hated school. Um, 
And then I was talking to a counselor one day, and she's like, uh, you know, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I've been talking to Marines. I'm talking to Army. Um, and then she's like, well, what about the National Guard? And then I was like, what is the National Guard? <laughs> and uh, once I got in touch with the recruiter, and then it was like talking about, you know, the different kinds of jobs you can do. I actually wanted to be an MP at first, which I'm very thankful I did not go that route. Um, and then my recruiter's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I grew up, my dad was a mechanic, so I worked on things my whole life. Oh, I got it. You can be a Humvee mechanic. I was like, nope, I do not want to do that. Uh, and then he starts looking. He goes, I got it. You're going to be a, a Blackhawk mechanic. I was like, isn't that hard? I was like, you're coming from a kid that barely passed high school with a C average, and now you expect me to work on aircraft. He goes, dude, don't worry about it. Army's going to teach you everything. And I actually, in my fir- in the first time in my life, I excelled. I, I think I graduated with like a 98%. Like, So I, I had an opportunity to go to, to Nino High School and uh, do a stack display with an aircraft. And I had all these kids coming up and running, oh, what do you have to, you know, yeah. what do you have to learn? And it's like, first off, learn self-confidence. Don't sell yourself short. Like I, I, t- I had this speech all made up and they actually, <laughs> we had like four different groups come out and every time the recruiter there made me do the speech because he was like, wow, that's like dead on. It's like self-confidence. You're such an inspiration. I know. <laughs> and I was just like, just don't sell yourself short. And I didn't think I was going to be a Blackhawk mechanic, but then turns out that's like, I excelled in it. Yeah. I never thought I'd be in aviation, never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing. But it's like when the opportunity opened, I just kind of took it and ran. And then of course I became a full-time tech and I thought that's where I was going to retire. But then I kind of, you know, got a little, uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know, not overworked, but like I was not enjoying burnt out. Bur- yeah, there it is. Burnt out. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, it came to a point where I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. So then I started looking elsewhere in the civilian side. And then that's when I joined the uh, operators union, local 302. And, uh, now I'm with Snell crane, which is a crane rental service. And I love it because I get to also put in hoisting on the civilian side, you know, things that weigh over an abundance of, mm. you know, 500,000 pounds, sometimes a million pounds to being able to lift somebody that only weighs 600 pounds on the side of an aircraft. And it's, you know, it, I definitely doing this hoist hoisting missions and then going to the civilian side and doing stuff with that. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of set up my, my, my path now. And, you know, I, I plan on staying in the guard, you know, till retirement, um, just because I love doing the mission mm-hmm. now. And, uh, and then also on the civilian side, just being a crane operator and then kind of continuing that. So, yeah. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. For me, uh, definitely want to keep doing it till retirement. The big, you know, benefits of, you know, medical is getting more and more expensive. So getting a guard retirement and some medical kickback, you know, save me a couple dollars when I retire, which will be awesome. Um, but I'm planning on trying to have the Army pay for me to go to PA school at some point later on down the road. You know, I'm getting a little bit older now, mm-hmm. 37 years old. You know, been doing this a while, old and broken. Um, still got a couple more years in me, though. But trying to set myself up to do that, a okay. little more, more advanced medicine, but a lot less hard on my body. So Yeah. My wife just recently went through the UW PA oh, program. Awesome. Yep. So MedEx. She, yeah, she unfortunately this entire west coast is over strength on medical as far as like pas mm-hmm. and stuff so I'm trying to figure out that path but i'm always trying to have somebody else pay for my school and i've been pretty successful so far so yeah. i keep going down that path <laughs> the army is a 
good resource for paying for your Absolutely. school. <laughs> I got a degree out of it. For free. For free. It just it just takes my time. With yeah. tuition assistance with the ad, so. You guys going to continue being pilots outside the guard after you guys re- uh, leave the, or are you guys going to, like, like in the civilian <laughs> sector? <laughs> uh, well, um, I mean, there's plenty of pilot jobs out there. It seems like, you know, the airlines are dying for people. Yeah. Um, so it's not too challenging to find a job, you know, flying a big jet uh, nowadays, especially with, you know, our experience, um, you know. I don't plan on leaving the state patrol, though. Um, you know, they've got a small aviation detachment where they fly a couple of Cessnas. I'm probably going to try to apply for that um, when I'm done with the Guard. Um, you know, fortunately, I get to fly on the Army's dime right now. And, um, you know, I think, you know, trying to manage my, you know, Guard schedule uh, on top of trying to, you know, apply for a, a new job uh, or a job you know, inside of, um, you know, the state patrol, hmm. um, you know, I think I've just finished out my time before I, you know, with the guard, before I start looking at that, um, you know, but I'm definitely going to finish out my time with the guard. So. Okay. And, uh, here's Mr. Hayes's emails in case he's ever pulled you over and you have anything <laughs> you want to say. It's <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Isn't there a new law? You could just accelerate away from a state yeah. trooper that's chasing you. you Nick's just upset because he got a ticket. <laughs> I will not get into this again with you. Listen, totally if, you're, if you're driving through the Olympia area and you get pulled over by a state trooper and he gets out of his car and he's got a mustache, just accelerate. <laughs> just run. That is bad legal advice. <laughs> I heard he hates the rain, too, so especially if it's pouring out. He would love it if you just went for it. He's going to have some editing to do. <laughs> I think this is hilarious, and I'll probably keep it in. Uh, I... I I'm I'm still yet undecided. I, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Uh, I enjoy my job too much. Um, been in the National Guard. Well, I've been in the Army for 25 years. I'm a technician, so I got that retirement to contend against. Um, you know, but uh, it's it's just it's too much fun. There, I mean, there's there's things there. Anywhere you go, you're going to have challenges, and you know, you're probably going to have issues that you're going to run into, you know, things that you don't like about work, but you know, I got, I got to count my blessings every time I come to work. I'm, I'm happy to have the job I have, you know, uh, I get to do awesome things and I get paid really well to do it. Um, if I do cross that path and, and decide to enter into retirement from the national guard, I'm probably going to continue with aviation and, um, I don't have any fixed wing time. So, I really don't like the idea of becoming an airline pilot. I just don't like that. It just doesn't seem like it's a, a good quality of life. Yeah. You know, and... Um, Spend a lot of time away from home. Yeah. I mean, those guys get paid pretty well. There's a lot of them, a lot of people that like it. But, I mean, I've got an established family. It'd be sure. hard for me to kind of mm-hmm. spend that much time away. So, uh, it doesn't really interest me just sitting in a chair for hours and hours and I, i'm to the point now uh where my youngest son is two years from graduating high school within two years of graduating high school my oldest son works the facility as a 15 tango nice. like nick um so he's in the national guard so i was some type of influence and in him joining the military you know so uh it's just 
we're we're kind of a military family. I don't think my youngest is going to join this, follow the same path, but he's free to choose whatever he wants to do, you know. And I encourage that. But um, we're we're almost empty nesters, my wife and I. So um, you know, it, we could do anything, right? So, um, but airlines is definitely not yeah. in my future. Uh, maybe local helicopter pilot job somewhere, you know, might be. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. And just when I thought I only had to deal with one Mr. Kennedy, I now have to deal with two Kennedys. <laughs> and it just makes my life so fulfilling. I love it. I love every Did moment he? of it. Didn't he get picked up by the salt? Uh, yeah, he is oh. going to be starting ground school here in uh, January, I think, mm-hmm. as a uh, crew chief. So I wish him the best of luck. And for all you other people listening that are in the guard and want to better your life, uh, as Mr. Hayes would say, flight school starts every two weeks. Um, so get your applications in and uh, come join the dark side and have fun with your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously they're having so much fun here. Uh, yeah, I mean. Just to give you a taste of what it's like. Or jo- you're, you're really, <laughs> I encourage anybody that's in the National Guard, uh, even even outside of the National Guard, to try to come into aviation because you just you you're not going to meet better people. Yeah, you really aren't, and and you're going to have tough days, uh, but it's it's going to be you're going to have fun doing it, and there's always there's always something to look forward to, you uh, know. I mean, you guys got to you guys got to main, maintain a certain level of proficiency in your in your job, so you guys got to you know you work hard at it and you gotta because because so much is at stake you know you're flying a you know multi i don't know if it's multi-million dollar aircraft and people's lives are up in the air you know and so you gotta just yeah we are it's a lot at stake we i feel like our MD guys have it they have the hardest challenge you know yeah. trying to come in and maintain proficiency so when we're talking like traditional M-Day, like National Guardsmen you're and Guards women, you're, you're just you're looking at like people who come in one week in a month and aviation is completely different because you actually have to come in on your own time throughout the month to fly. Mm-hmm. Like Marty took time from work tonight so he can go fly today to maintain proficiency, you know. So you're taking you're making those sacrifices. And that's that's one of the things about aviation that's so unique in the National Guard is it everybody's making some sort of sacrifice to make something happen, you know, to maintain proficiency, to continue to train, Mm -hmm. to be good at what you're, you know, you're supposed to be good at. Yeah. I mean, it is a big commitment. I mean, you know, to maintain our minimums, it's eight hours a month, you know, so about four flights, uh, maybe five flights uh, a month. You aren't going to get all those on a drill weekend when you got, you know, very important PowerPoint slides to look at or whatever Mm -hmm. else, holiday parties or, you know, so a lot of that, a lot of your, you know, minimum flight times, you know, and as a guard pilot, you maintain the same minimums as active duty. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if you got, you know, the helicopter isn't going to change. So you have to have that same level of proficiency. So a lot of it's, you know, time you're taking off of work or weekends, you're coming in to, you know, continue to hone your skills and maintain your proficiency. So. And then also, like Mr. Hayes said, you know, you're scheduling your time between what you do with the guard and what you do with your work. I mean, we have to deal a lot with our employer at the same time. we got to take into consideration, like, hey, uh, 
you know, I go up to my boss, you know, almost weekly and says, hey, if there's any day I'm not working, just let me know because then I could schedule a flight or I can go in and fly. And then, of course, it'll be like sometimes I'll get a last minute thing where they need a crew chief and, you know, I'll just go to my employer and it's like, hey, I got to go take this. And luckily, I've been pretty lucky in that department and I have had great employers yeah. who just give me the time. Um, they don't hold it against me. Um and I get to come back, you know, with these awesome stories and show them photos, and they think, "Wow, that's awesome." Do you, do you ever think about rewarding them for that, like with the ESGR? So actually, we do this thing once a year. It's called the Boss Lift, where you can bring oh, yeah. your employer in, and uh, our unit, especially, uh, we put up stack displays of the aircraft. Uh, we show them what our capabilities are within the battalion. Um, shows all our cool behind the scenes our you know sheet metal shop airframe shop all that mm -hmm. stuff and then at the end of it we actually take them up and fly them around seattle the Olymp you know, olympia um you know we get a we give them a provided lunch um and it's just a all-day event where they can see exactly what we do and what we're capable of and it kind of kind of gives them the insight of Mm -hmm. Okay, so these guys aren't just, you know, <laughs> yeah, in lamest terms, shitbags and just want to leave work and go do something cool. It's it gives <laughs> us an opportunity to, to demonstrate to employers what our level of commitment yeah. is, you know, and how much work it really takes just to put up one flight. Mm -hmm. um, so we can bring our employer in and walk them through the facility and take them through step by step, like how much does this take and why do I? Why does my employee need to take so much time from, from me to just to come in and fly some helicopters, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, it's a couple hours of, of pre-flight preparation to get an aircraft in the air. And then, you know, you're talking a couple hours in the air and then the debriefings and putting everything away and, and logging the flight afterwards, you know, that's, you're looking at like minimum of five to six hours of, of time that this, this crew member needs to burn, you know, away from his civilian employment. Mm -hmm. And then we won't even discuss about the time that he's, t he or she is taking from, their families to do this as well because a lot of people come in after work or like they'll take a half day from work and they won't spend an evening with their family so they can come in and fly um mm -hmm. so you know they might have young young ones at, at home that are like hey where's mommy where's daddy you know we you know well they're they're training you know yeah and what's kind of cool being well not kind of cool but being in the construction field is I bounce around from employer to employer uh, just based off my skill sets. And uh, so actually this last time around, I took my previous boss up uh, just because I just started with Snell Crane. I didn't know a whole lot of people yet. Um, and after that day, I would get text messages and calls. Hey, when are you going to come back and work for me? That was, you know, I it's, it's just awesome feeling to know that. Mm -hmm. you know you're appreciated not only in the military world but then in the civilian aspect of it and it was it was kind of cool but i still get texts to this day from previous employers and they're like hey are you gonna when are you gonna come back when are you come you know come work for me and it's like yeah i'm happy where i'm at <laughs> yeah it's and i'm gonna back up the medics here and say you know for this upcoming interview just don't sell yourself short you know yeah life's challenging you know put yourself to the challenge it's definitely yeah. rewarding be like Nick, the Make-A-Wish kid that just took it too far. Well, I, I came in on Make-A-Wish, and I, they just never came and got me, so I just, I just kind of stayed. Yeah. 
I mean, I think the, the point of this podcast was for uh, to talk about the rescue mission, but we I think we just we ended up covering mostly like what we enjoy about our jobs. And yeah. I could almost know. split this up into two separate episodes. You almost could, I think. Um, <laughs> I think I will. You know, but there's it's it's very rewarding. You know, you, on any given day, you can come in and do whatever a, a number of different training events. You can go do hoist. You can go work fire buckets. You can. You know, uh, go do tactical flying, you know, terrain flight, um, flying MVGs. Uh, you could be you could be flying instruments, you know, flying through the clouds. Or you could be delivering, you know, General Dent to Yakima or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or General Doherty. You know, it, it, it just, it really, it's so dynamic and so different. And every day is just something new. Um, you said you spent time on active duty as a pilot right yes and did you or no no okay so i guess the main question would be for you then mr hayes is uh the difference between active duty pilot and and national guard piloting is what if there is any like what is the main difference i would say um i mean we've got the same minimums uh you know same aircraft um i would say the real challenge comes from um trying to balance a civilian career on top of, um, you know, maintaining, you know, your proficiency as a pilot. Um, you know, it's not enough just to build up, you know, hours. Uh, you have to continuously be in the cockpit, um, you know, and I know when I've been away from the cockpit too long, you know, if I have a busy month at work or I've got something or a flight gets canceled for maintenance and it could be up to a month, uh, you know, before I get back, you know, for another flight, um, it's definitely a lot, a lot harder to, um, I guess it doesn't come back as quick. You feel rusty. Um, so it's, I think I'm, I was lucky getting the experience as as an active duty pilot. I mean, you basically, you know, all you really need to focus on active duty is being able to fly. Um, it was kind of when, you know, deployment, it was nice being able just to focus on one thing, mm-hmm. um, trying to split your attention between two things. I mean, I, you know, some of our, you know, newer pilots, I mean, I, you know, it, I can see how it could be very hard to, um, you know, I guess build that knowledge and experience when you know, you're kind of trying to split your attention between two things. So, okay. One of the things, you know, a lot of these guys go to flight school and they come back and they're like, I want to be a helicopter pilot. Cool. You're a helicopter pilot. You made it through flight school. You came back to us with 120 some odd hours, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, civilian agencies like the EMS companies out there don't start looking at pilots until they have at least 2000 minimum, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it could take 10 years in the national guard to fly that much time. Um, and if they are just flying their better bare minimums, it's going to take them, two decades wow yeah so <clears throat> basically a hundred a hundred hours a year is what their minimums are so you, and and the national guard's pretty um liberal with that you could fly as much as you really want um but you do run into some 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 road blockages where where like we run into the end of the fiscal year so there's no money for fuel or there's no money for aftps mm-hmm. uh which is you know our our off drills that we do um but uh you know, it really all depends on the pilot's availability. Um, so 
but just looking at that, doing bare minimums, two decades to get to a point where you can actually be marketable in the civilian helicopter agent or uh, industry. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it could be hard. It could be hard for these guys, and they're coming back from fly school, and they they might not have civilian employment lined up, so they're just kind of trying to do the best they can to fly for us and then try to put food on the table, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the commitment's real mm-hmm. for some of these young aviators. Yeah. For sure. I'll bet. I think that about does it. I think we can call it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was right very, uh, very cool awesome <laughs> conversation i loved it well, it's been good talking with you thank yeah. you appreciate it, it appreciate great. you having us